This is the Heartland Community Church Podcast with part four in the series, The Jesus I Wish You Knew, by guest teacher Susie Gomez. Hey Heartland, it is such a joy to be here with you today, although I do lament that we couldn't be here together in person. I recognize that I'm probably a new face to most of you, so let me just take a second to introduce myself. I'm Susie Gomez, and I often like to introduce myself by saying that I am Canadian by birth, Korean by heritage, Mexican by marriage, and American by immigration. Above all, of course, I am a proud citizen of the kingdom of God. Uh, My husband and I lived in South Central LA for many years. We did 14 years of ministry there, but four years ago we moved to Long Beach, California. And so now we are living in Long Beach with our four kids, ages eight all the way down to two. And we are currently in the middle of doing distance learning in Spanish with our three oldest kids. So if you're people of prayer, please, we can take all the prayer we can get right now. Um, Now, if you tell me to tell you about myself, uh, often a story about my family will come up fairly quickly. My parents did a great job of laying a good foundation of who Jesus is. They left a great legacy of faith for my brother and I. And um, I love to tell stories about my mom. Uh, (laughs) One of these days, she's going to come across one of these videos and discover that I've been telling this particular story for years. And it's okay. It's a funny story. It's a bit of a quirky story. But it gives you a snapshot of who my mom is. If I were going to describe to you who my mother is, one of the first things that I would tell you is that she loves Jesus. She knows Jesus in a way that I am still trying to aspire to get to know him. And as the scripture says, to know him is to love him. So my mom knows Jesus and she loves him and she wishes that everyone would know him too. So I thought it would be fitting that as we're doing this series on the Jesus I wish you knew, uh, that I would start with a story about my mom. So as I said, my mom is a woman who wishes that everyone would know Jesus. Uh, Another thing to tell you about my mom is that she's her own person. So you know that saying, be you or do you? You don't have to tell my mom that because she, she already do. And you'll get to see that in this story. Uh, So I have an older brother named Tony, and he has a good friend named Chris. Now, Chris and my brother have been good friends since junior high. And I remember Chris wasn't necessarily a bad kid or a terribly misbehaved kid or anything, but he didn't grow up in a Christian family. I I knew that he didn't know much about the church. He didn't go to church, and, and he wasn't a follower of Jesus. But now he's a solid believer. He loves Jesus with with all his heart. And so I asked him, well, Chris, I don't even know your story about how you came to Jesus. How was it that you gave your life to Jesus? And he said, you know, it's a funny story. It actually started with your mom. So I said, well, well, what happened? And he said, well, one day I, I came to your house and I knocked on the door. And when I knocked on the door, your mom flung open the door and she said, Chris, you must believe with Jesus. And then she walked away. There was no, hi, hello, how are you doing? She didn't walk him through the four spiritual laws. She didn't even give him a John 3.16. She just said, Chris, you must believe with Jesus. And then she walked away. And so I said, Chris, that's it? Like, so she walked away and then you dropped to your knees and said the sinner's prayer on your own and then your life changed forever? Uh, I, I guess I've been doing evangelism wrong all these years. And he said, no, 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 she shocked me with that. (laughs) I I walked away a little stunned. But what it did do is it planted a seed in my heart. It it intrigued me. It, It 
piqued some curiosity in me. And she said it, she said it with such urgency and such intensity that I started to believe, I think I must believe Jesus. Uh, and so he started going to church with my brother. He started going to Bible study on his own. And then he actually started to believe in Jesus himself. In fact, he met his future wife at a missionary training seminar. And he and his wife to this day love to tell other people about why they must believe Jesus. Um, I, I'm going to pause here for a second and say this. Um, if you happen to recount this story to someone later, like if, if, if you listen to the message and someone says, hey, how was today's message? If you happen to tell this part of the story, um, I'm just going to give you a little warning. Don't do the accent. Uh, that's just a little bit of cultural competency, how not to sound racist 101 type stuff. Uh, maybe if you're Korean, I'll give you a pass, but you better make sure that that accent is on point. Uh, now, I'm not saying that we should do shock evangelism either. Uh, that's not my favorite method by any means. But, but, but I think that sometimes we do forget that Jesus himself was quite shocking. His very being was very unconventional. He did things in a way that shocked people frequently. He, he ate with people. He conversed with people. He engaged with people. He loved people in a way that was shocking to so many people. There simply never was anyone else quite like him. You know, it's hard to put into mere words uh, what it is about Jesus that makes him so amazing. It's something that you need to experience for yourself. But if we're going to tell the world about Jesus, um, a world that has many misconceptions about who this Jesus is, I wonder how you would describe him. Now, I read the Gospels, and, and I, I see a life of Jesus in here that, that I wish so many people would know more about. Uh, people have these ideas about Jesus that are so different from what is represented here in the Word. Uh, I wish people would know that Jesus is, is not the unapproachable and rigid God that we sometimes think he is. In fact, I, I think I could say that if there's one thing, one of the things that I love most about Jesus is that he's shockingly approachable. He's more gracious than we could ever imagine. He's more loving and kind than the world knows right now. He's not arrogant and distant. He's not rigid. Uh, he's not strict as we've made him sound to be. Uh, so I just wish that Jesus is not the unapproachable God that they think he is. You know, Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he came as a servant. He's a humble king. You know, he created the universe, but he wants us to be in relationship with him. So he was not what people expected. You know, I said that my mom, she's one of a kind, and she really is. But Jesus, truly, there never was, there never is, there never will be anyone else like Jesus. He had a different way of doing things. Everything that Jesus did was an expression of love, and he wants us to follow in his way. I think because he was so refreshingly different, so different from all the other teachers of the law that came before him, that he drew people to himself. And so um, one story that I think highlights this well is, is found in Luke 8, verses 40 through 56. It says this, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. Where did he return from? He, he returned from doing other miracles. So when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. 
As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are all crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Now, if you're familiar with this story and the context in which it's set, you would see why this is such a shocking story. Uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Eric talked about how uh, Jesus is the healer. This is the Jesus that he wishes you would know. Um, and we could highlight here that, again, Jesus is healer because that's what he did. He healed people. But the thing that I want to highlight about this story is that Jesus chooses to heal some people that folks would have thought was a bit shocking. Uh, here Jesus is, this man of great power, and because crowds were starting to gather around him, you could say that he was getting a lot of fame in this time. Um, but in the midst of this, he made himself approachable. You know, living in L.A., people will often ask if I've had any celebrity sightings. And over the years, I've seen a ton of celebrities, actually. Um, sometimes they're real cool and approachable. They'll stop and talk to people, take pictures. But, but I can see why sometimes famous people want to keep their distance. Like, I, I get it. If I was at dinner uh, with my family, I wouldn't want to keep getting interrupted by, by people who wanted to take a picture for the gram, right? Um, <clears throat> and while Jesus had to deal with crowds following him and, and pushing to get near him over and over again, I'm shocked at how often Jesus stopped and allowed people to approach him. He was shockingly approachable. Uh, he did come to seek and save the lost, to heal the sick, to give freedom to people. So I, I, I guess we shouldn't be so shocked. But again, he's just so different from what people expected of him. This isn't what they expected a man with so much power and influence to be like. So let's start with Jairus. Jairus was this man of status and power, but he had a daughter that was gravely ill. He was a man of means, so he had access to the best of doctors, and yet they could not heal his daughter. So Jairus, the synagogue leader, falls at the feet of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you understand how, um, how shocking this is, because Jairus, a synagogue leader, uh, it would be uh, of ill repute for him to go to Jesus, because the synagogue leader, some of them didn't think so highly of Jesus. He, he, he was kind of like a threat to some, some of them. So Jairus had to be pretty desperate to fall at the feet of Jesus and risk his reputation. But that's what he was. He was desperate. 
He wanted healing for his daughter. His daughter was dying. Nothing was working, and here she was on her deathbed. And so Jairus, a man who loved his child immensely, went to go seek Jesus. Now, I'm grateful that I've, I've never had to go through the pain of losing a child. I've never had to suffer the unimaginable. But I do have close friends and family members who have had to go through that pain. And as a mother of four young children, I really can't imagine a pain deeper than having to grieve the loss of your child. Now, I think that maybe that's why God chose to demonstrate his love by giving up his one and only son so that we might live. Any of us would do anything to save our child from dying. And so Jairus, he pushes through the crowd, risking his reputation, desperately seeking the healing that his daughter needed. There was a crowd there. There was a crowd that was waiting for Jesus. It was so thick, so intense, that the passage says it almost crushed him. Um, and yet at the request of the synagogue leader, Jesus chooses to leave the crowd and go with Jairus to heal his daughter. But before he could get there, like Jairus, someone else was trying to get to Jesus. Someone else wanted to fall at Jesus' feet and get the healing that she'd so desperately wanted. While Jesus headed to Jairus' 12-year-old daughter to give her the healing that she needed, there was a woman who had been suffering for 12 years, and she needed healing. And so when she touches him, Jesus stops everything, and he says, Who touched me? It seemed like a silly question because, again, the passage says that there were a lot of people crowding around him. Many people had touched him. The crowds were pushing against him. But Jesus stops and asks with great intention, Who touched me? It was a weird question given that there were so many people, and even Peter, the impatient one, says, all right, Jesus, um, you know what? There's a lot of people here, and I know you really want to know who touched you, but we got to go save this 12-year-old girl who's dying, so come on, Jesus, let's keep it pushing. But Jesus stops again, and he says, no, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Jesus says, someone touched me. Not, not just Somebody, someone, not, not a nobody, but somebody touched me. And he wanted to stop and acknowledge this woman. He wanted her to know that she was seen by God. You know, this, this nameless woman in the Bible, she's simply referred to as the woman with the issue of bleeding. She doesn't even have a name in this passage. She wasn't the daughter of an important synagogue leader. She was a grown woman who was isolated for years in her suffering. But what's important is that she had great faith. And Jesus wanted her faith to be on display in front of all these people. She acted out in faith when she touched the hem of his garment. And she was instantly healed. But this was oh so scandalous. This was a woman with a very serious condition, and because of her condition, she was deemed unclean. She had to isolate herself from everybody else, and anyone she came into contact with, anything that she came into contact with, was also considered unclean. You know, in this crazy season that we all find ourselves in right now, uh, I think we can all relate just a little bit uh, when it comes to isolation physical and social distancing, uh, an obsession with things being clean, having to be vigilant about keeping a safe distance from one another. It sounds like this woman had the original COVID virus. But right now, the entire world is doing their part to keep this global pandemic at bay. Imagine if this was pre-COVID times, and you were one of the only people that was infected with this virus. 
Nobody wanted anything to do with you. They wanted you to stay at a distance so that they themselves wouldn't become inf infected. This is what this woman suffered through for 12 years. Nothing was working. All her money was gone. All her money went to the doctors who could not give her a cure. But then she heard that Jesus was coming her way. She wasn't supposed to be out amongst the people. This woman was not supposed to be in a crowded public place, let alone touch a holy man like Jesus. But she, like Jairus, was a desperate woman willing to do anything to find healing. For this, for this woman who lived in isolation, she sought out every, every cure, but nothing worked. And so when Jesus came to town, she said, I have to go. So I wonder if it was Jairus' desperation to see his daughter healed and then Jesus' willingness to go with her that emboldened her in that moment. She saw that Jesus was making his way to Jairus' house and so in that moment she said, I, now's my chance, I just have to, if I would just touch the edge of his robe, maybe I could be healed. And she was. She felt it. He felt it. It was no accident, no mistake. This act of faith, this encounter with Jesus instantly took away the thing that held this woman captive to shame, fear, and isolation for so many years. The burden was lifted, and Jesus wanted her to know that it was with great intention. He was calling her out in order to call her in to a relationship. When the woman realized that Jesus was determined to know who touched him, she, like Jairus moments ago, fell at Jesus' feet. She, she knew what it, um, what it was like to have to hide, but here, here Jesus was calling her out. He says, I want people to see you. So she came trembling, perhaps with a mix of emotions. There was probably that shock that she had been healed. Uh, there was probably fear. There was probably great relief. And so she falls at his feet and she tells him her story in front of everyone. And when the crowd discovers who this woman is, they probably expected Jesus to say something of condemnation. But instead, Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Jesus didn't have to stop and have this conversation with this woman. He was on his way to Jairus' house. Uh, Jairus was an important man with status and power, and he had a 12-year-old daughter who needed healing. But Jesus, an important man with status and power, also had a 12-year-old daughter who needed healing. So to this nameless, isolated, broke, unclean woman, Jesus says, daughter, I see you. I value you. You matter. Maybe they left her nameless in this passage because they wanted to highlight the fact that Jesus is calling her daughter. You know, this wasn't just a cultural nuance. This, this wasn't just Jesus saying, Miha, because this was a, a culturally accepted term. You know, this is actually the only place in Scripture where we see Jesus directly calling somebody daughter. So there was great intention in this encounter. See, this is what I love about Jesus. After 12 years, one encounter with Jesus changes everything for this woman. She had one story, but then she meets Jesus and everything changes. He invited her into a lifelong loving relationship and he restored identity to her as a daughter and said, I want you to live unto my glory. I want you to have a full and abundant life. 
You know, if we were in person right now, that's the type of thing that should uh, spark a hallelujah from the crowd. So I'm just going to imagine that you're saying hallelujah from your homes or in your hearts right now. You know, if, if I haven't made it obvious enough, I, I wonder, do you see the parallels here? There's a 12-year-old daughter who needed healing. There's a woman who suffered for 12 years. Jairus falls to his knees before Jesus. This woman falls to her knees before Jesus. They were both desperate for healing. And there was so much intention in the way that these stories were supposed to parallel each other because it demonstrates that no matter who you are, the daughter of an important leader or an unclean woman who lived in isolation for years, you are neither too important for Jesus nor not important enough. He is shockingly approachable and he wants to invite you into relationship with himself. He's accessible. He wants to heal you. He wants to know, he wants you to know that you are seen. He wants you to know that you're his beloved and he wants a relationship with you. Now, I don't even have time to go into this whole second part about the daughter, but when you really study that, there's so much richness in the way that Jesus showed love to this little girl as well. Um, after this woman had been healed, Jesus actually stays and teaches for a while. He stays with the crowd so long that, that, that somebody actually comes to Jairus and says, you know what, don't even bother the teacher anymore. It's, it's too late. Your daughter has already died. Jesus can't help her now. It seemed like it was too late, but Jesus told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. The girl had already died, but not to disappoint, Jesus was about to shock the socks off of people again with another healing. Now, do you notice that Jesus actually didn't have a whole list of conditions that he gave Jairus and, and the woman with the issue of bleeding? He didn't say, go and do this. You must prove to me that you're good enough for your healing. No, he, he sees them. He saw the faith of the woman. He told Jairus, just believe. And, and Jairus had enough faith to still bring Jesus to his home, even though he had heard the news that she had died. And Jesus showed them, I'm a God that shows up. I just want you to put your trust in me. All Jesus needed was for them to believe. Jesus cared for both of these daughters, one publicly so that she could be freed from shame, and, and one privately, perhaps to spare her from shame. Now, in this, that, that time and in that culture, there are some nuances where if people had discovered that she actually died and was raised again from the dead, people might still circulate rumors about her, that she was unclean, that there was something wrong with her. So I wonder if Jesus did this in private for the sake of her reputation. He could have put her on display and showed his power by healing her publicly, resurrecting her from the dead, but instead he healed her privately to protect her. Jesus extended radical grace to so many different people. He healed people from hurts, and sometimes he even shielded them from hurts. You know, I know life is really hard to figure out right now, especially in the middle of a global pandemic with all the racial tensions, the political tensions that swirl around us. Um, there may be more questions than answers right now. We don't always understand what God is up to. And while we're here on earth, we won't ever get the full picture of what he's doing. Why does God do some things and he doesn't do others? Maybe you've been praying for healing for someone for quite some time, some time now and it hasn't happened yet. Uh, I don't think anyone saw all of this happening a year ago. Maybe you're going through some really hard things right now. And like Jairus, he was waiting on Jesus to come heal his daughter and, and, and you're tempted to think that it's too late. 
And I, I hope that these words I'm about to say don't feel trite. I hope they don't feel like a cookie cutter Sunday school answer to you. But I, I just want to echo Jairus' words to you right now. In the, in the middle of what probably felt like the worst moment of his life, Jesus said to him, don't be afraid, believe. God is not doing, God is not done doing what he's doing. He, he, he does his best, he, he shows up, he, he shows up in his perfect timing. So, so what do we believe about God? Do we believe that he is the God of miracles? Do we believe that he is the God who sees? He's the God who loves lavishly, the God that invites us into relationship. Do we believe that he can do the miracles that will shock us like he did when he was walking this earth? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And church, I believe that God wants to shock and amaze us with his goodness and his love, even today. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to part four of The Jesus I Wish You Knew with Susie Gomez, guest teacher at Heartland Community Church. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or on YouTube at Heartland CC Rockford, or you can watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening. 